Hey, this is Jeremy Isaacs, lead pastor of Generations Church, where we want to live like it matters. For more information about our church, you can visit us at g.church. We hope you're encouraged by today's message. Thanks again for listening. Today, we are continuing the series that we started last week called Baggage. And what we said last week is that we are all on a journey. And I said to you last week, whether you have enough faith to believe it or not, I have enough faith to believe that God has a future and a purpose and a destiny for your life. And I believe that as we allow God to write our story, and that's what we believe, if you're a Christ follower, that God is writing your story, that ultimately you and I have just one decision. Which way is our arrow pointed? Are we pointing, and I don't know why I always turn this way when I'm talking about it, but we point our arrow towards Jesus Christ. We are trusting God to write that story, and we're, we're trusting God that we're going to live that story out as he writes it. Or you can choose to point your arrow in another direction and do your own thing and kind of write your own story and do the things that you want to do regardless of how they honor or please or dishonor God. And so what we said is, just like any trip that you're going on, you and I, as we take this journey, are bringing some stuff with us, right? Anytime you go anywhere, you take some stuff with you. And so what we said last week as it relates to baggage is that this, there's this great reminder that we pack for where we're going, not for where we've been, right? I don't ever like start packing for a vacation or a trip, or I don't ever start thinking about where I'm headed and think, you know what? I needed last Thursday. I'm going to throw that in. Or you know what I needed last time I went on a vacation? I'm going to throw that in. No, what I say is, what am I going to need when I get to where I'm going? Those are the things that I want to take with me. But what happens in this journey that we're on, this spiritual journey that we're on in relationship with God, is that as we are chasing after the things that God is doing in our lives, so many of us try to carry with us the things of yesterday into our tomorrow. And so what we talked about last week was we talked about this idea of regret. And we said that uh, regret for all of us is, is this missed opportunity or it's, you know, it's maybe a realized opportunity that we're not really sure how it all plays out and we kind of look back and, oh, I shouldn't have said that, I shouldn't have done that, I, I wish I would have invested, I wish I wouldn't have invested. And so we, we talked about this idea of regret, but we used this passage of scripture from Philippians 3 and we said it's going to be our theme passage for the entire series. It says this beginning in verse 12, it says, not that I've already obtained this or I'm already perfect, but I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. And so we said last week as it relates to regret that, yeah, for sure, I mean, there are decisions that we've made in our past and there may be consequences for those decisions. But we said that consequences are the necessary payment for past decisions and that regret is the unnecessary repayment for those past decisions. You got to pay some consequences. Like if you do something wrong, you steal from somebody, like you've got to pay that back. You've got to pay the consequences for your actions. But regret is day after day, week after week, month after month, year after year, repaying for the decisions that you made back there. Once you've made it right, you've got to move on. And so today I want us to look at another idea, another thought, another thing that we pack into our bags to try to take with us into this future that God is calling us to. And when I say it out loud, you may have heard the word already used uh, as we're kind of ramping up towards this. When I say it, you may think, well, that's the same thing, but it's not. And we're going to dig into why it's not. Today, we're going to talk about shame. We're going to look at the idea of shame. And just so we're all on the same page, we are defining shame as a painful feeling of humiliation or distress caused by the consciousness of wrong or foolish behavior. It's really, it's really pain. It's humiliation, it's distress based on the wrong or foolish behavior that we 
We committed, we did whatever back there somewhere. And so oftentimes while shame and regret do overlap, they are actually separate feelings. We said that regret was I did a bad thing, but shame makes us feel like we are a bad person. And so what we were talking about last week, and I'm about to start preaching a new message. I'm not just going to keep re-preaching last week's message. But we said this idea that like regret's like, oh, I wish I wouldn't have. I wish I would have. And so it's just this bad decision back there. But shame, we feel like, is the identity. We take on shame. We kind of wear the scarlet letter of, of all the things that we've done or the thing that we did or didn't do or wish we would have done or didn't do. And, and so when we start taking that on, it becomes our identity. It's this humiliation and pain that scars us down to our soul so often. And to really dig into what shame looks like, I want us to go to the very first human experience in Scripture. Now, the first biblical story is the creation story, right? God created, he created all that is, and he said it's good, and it's good, and it's good, and it's good. Then he creates man, and he was like, it's very good, right? And so I want you to look to one of the people on your right or your left and say, when God made you, he was like, it's good, right? It's very, very good. Now, look to the other person, unless you're going to get in trouble by saying, just say, hey, God said it's very good, right? So the idea is that God created man and woman, and he said, hey, it's very good. When I created humanity, I recognized that this is like the amazing thing that I've crafted out of the dirt. And, and so God did this amazing thing, and that's awesome. Well, then God recognized what, you know, I already have recognized as well, that like he just looked down and he watched Adam trying to figure some things out, and he's like, it is not good for man to be alone. That is still true in our house, okay? Because if my wife is gone for an overnight trip or to the grocery store, right? I can't figure it out. Like the house falls apart. Not because I'm a terrible person. Like there's just things I don't know where things go. Every now and then, like even when Corey's home and we're like helping put stuff away, she'll like open a drawer and she was like, who put this in here? And I'm like, well, I thought that's where it went. She was like, we've lived in this house the same amount of time. How do you not know where stuff goes? I don't know. I don't, I just, it seemed right to me in the Holy Spirit. And that's where we put the Tupperware. I don't know. All right. So God looks down on Adam and he's like, it's not good for man to be alone. We got to get him a helper, you know? And so he's like, okay, I'm going to put Adam to sleep. I'm going to, I'm going to take a rib. We're going to make Eve. And, and God recognizes Adam and Eve. This is awesome. Like way to go. I did a good thing here. And then there's this amazing verse as Adam and Eve are walking with God in the cool of the day. And there's this amazing intimacy and interaction between God and Adam and Eve. Genesis chapter two, verse 25 says, Adam and his wife were both naked and they they felt no shame. I think this is the life verse for all three of my sons. They just, I mean, sometimes I'm like, boys, you got to put some clothes on. You have to put your mom, your sister, like neighbors, the windows are open. I need you to put some clothes on. This is their life verse. So often they're all going to be mad at me that I just said that out loud. I'm sorry. Y'all just pray for me. So the idea is this, this is amazing verse. There's no shame, right? However you want to interpret the scripture, there is no shame. And then that's the end of Genesis chapter two. And we go to Genesis chapter 3, and the story shifts. Immediately into Genesis 3, what we see is that we see that the serpent is this cunning, and he's a, he's a scheming, he, he's, he's, he's wise in the way that he engages humanity. And so now the serpent starts to cause Eve to question all of the things that God has declared. And then Eve brings Adam into this interaction, and we see their disobedience and then in Genesis chapter 3, verse 7, and you can read this for yourself, it says, immediately they saw their nakedness and they felt shame. They saw their nakedness and they felt shame. Genesis chapter 3, verse 7. So what changed from Genesis 2, 25 to Genesis 3, 7? Sin. Disobedience. So the only thing that brought shame to humanity was sin. Sin equals shame. 
You don't just feel bad for things. The shame that you may carry in your life is a, is a consequence. It is a piece of, it is the response of sinfulness in humanity. So, so what did they do? How did Adam and Eve respond to the shame that they felt for the sin and disobedience that they had uh, engaged in? Well, they did what you and I do. Now, you and I don't have our life story written into the pages of Scripture. There, there's not any place that you can flip to where it tells my story or it tells your story. But if I were to read my story from Scripture or you were to read your story from Scripture, it would play out a lot like how Adam and Eve's story plays out in Genesis chapter 3. Because you know what happens? God shows up and he comes to walk with Adam and Eve. He comes to engage them in the way that he had always done. He comes to just kind of, hey, let's have a conversation. And when he calls out for them, Scripture says that you can read it for yourself in Genesis 3. It says that Adam was afraid and they hid. They had already made fig leaves to cover their nakedness because they realized their nakedness and they felt shame. And so they hid. And so there's three responses from humanity as it relates to sin. Fear, hiding, and blame. Those are the three responses to sin. You can see it here in the story of Adam and Eve. You can see it play out time and time and time again in our own lives. Adam said, I was afraid. I heard your voice. I heard you calling. I heard you coming. And so I was afraid. And so I hid. And then God shows up to talk to them. And as God is talking to them, there's this amazing thing that happens. They start the blame game, right? God says to Adam, he was like, what, what did you do? And Adam turns into a toddler, right? He's like, this woman that you gave me, it's your fault, really. And if it's not your fault, it's definitely her fault. And so then God looks at Eve and Eve's like, well, I mean, the serpent, the snake, right? And so there's this blame game. So now we have fear, we have hiding, and we have blame. That is the same way that humanity's been responding to sin and shame forever. It's what we do. If you've ever had toddlers in your house, what do they do if they're doing something wrong and they hear you coming? You can hear their footsteps as they run away to hide. They go around the corner. I know every square inch of our house, but the kids thought they could hide from me, right? And they just think that they can hide and not get caught. And then if you find them, they're like, well, it was, you know, they left it out. They did. No, it wasn't me. It was them. But it's the exact same thing that humanity's been doing since the beginning of time. And so when we think about all of these things, things, we recognize that not only do we have the same response that Adam and Eve had, we actually share the same condition that Adam and Eve introduced into the human story. And we see that in Romans chapter 5, verse 12. It says, Therefore, just as sin entered the world through one man and death through sin, in this way death came to all people because all sinned. And so when I look at this, and, and we're going to continue reading in just a few minutes. If you're reading that out of your Bible, there's a comma right there. We're going to continue in that story in just a second. But death and sin entered the world through one man. And because of that, all of us are found guilty immediately. From that moment in the story of humanity, all of us are guilty from Genesis chapter 3. And so when you think about your life and you think about my life, it is not that we just tell a little white lie. It is not that we just do something we know we shouldn't have done. It's not like a toddler who you told the rules and they disobeyed. And like we're just walking through life trying to figure out how we can get as close to the line and cheat. You and I, as it relates to our sinfulness, we are not sinners because we sin. We sin because we're sinners. I'm going to say that again because I know that's like, what? I think you just said the same thing. I did not. Okay? We are not sinners 
because we sin. It's not like you are not a sinner and then you tell your first lie and now you're a sinner. You are born into this world sinful. And because you are a sinner, you sin. It's what sinners do. And until we come to the place where we recognize our sinfulness and we turn to God, we live in our sinful state. And so what we have to do is recognize the need for God and we recognize who we are and who we are not and who we need Christ to be in our lives as the redeemer, the forgiver of our sins. And he redeems and he forgives because it's what he does. So that we're, we're guilty, right? Now, let me just pause for a second and say that it's not just our guilt that condemns us. It's not just our shame that condemns us. Unfortunately, it is also other people, right? I mean, you don't have to raise your hand today, but I, I would guess if I gave you the opportunity, you could probably raise your hand to say that there have been people in your life who knew your story that maybe knew some of the shortcomings that you had experienced, some of the things you had done that you regret and you carry shame and the scarlet letter that you wear. And because they know your story, they are so quick to judge you and so quick to lay shame and guilt on you because they know what you've done. And by, by proxy, they kind of say they know who you are. And when I think about that, I recognize that for those of us that are followers of Jesus Christ in the room or watching online, we have an incredible opportunity to be grace givers on the earth, to be loving and kind and forgiving towards people that are walking around the earth and being judged by everybody else and being kind of having shame laid on them by everybody else. We have an incredible opportunity to extend grace and to extend mercy and to extend love and to extend forgiveness. But there are so many Christ followers on the earth right now when they see the woman lying in the dirt, this woman that's caught in the act of adultery. If we just use that story as an example, they see this woman lying there and Christ followers are often the ones standing around the edges holding the rocks. We're the ones condemning. We're the ones screaming out. We're the ones who aren't judging ourselves and seeing that we have sinned and we have fallen short and we have that same story of needing the grace and mercy of God. If you're a Christ follower, you need to get down in the dirt with her. You need to stay right beside her and you need to say, hey, where are your accusers? Go and sin no more. Like we need to challenge people and call people, but we speak the truth in love. We get ourselves dirty as we get down in the dirt with people who are hurting and who are ashamed of the things that they've done and everybody else is judging and everybody else is laying guilt and shame on them. We should be the ones laying right there beside them. That is the example of Jesus Christ. And unfortunately on the earth right now, Christianity is getting a black eye. And you know why? Not because of Jesus, because of Christ followers who are so quick to pick up the rocks and be judge and jury and decide who is and who is not worthy of the grace of God. You don't get to decide that. I don't get to decide that. There is a judge and I'm not him and neither are you and neither are the other people around the world. And it's like, well, shouldn't they feel repentant? Yeah, but God judges their heart. I'm going to love people and I'm gonna speak in the relationship that we have. I'm gonna speak the truth in love. Jesus came across so many different people in his time on the earth who were hurting, who were guilty, who were wrong, who carried shame. And the model that we see in how he engaged them is that he came with grace and truth. He approached them with dignity. He approached them with compassion. He came across a woman at the well 
And he's talking to this woman, which would have just been unthinkable in that culture, but he's talking to this woman. And he says, woman, where is your husband? Jesus says, I don't have a husband. He's like, you're right. And even the man that you're living with is not your husband. You've had all this string of men in your past. And you know what she did after she had this encounter with Jesus where he challenged her to drink from the living water so that she would never thirst again and to find fulfillment in who he is and who he could be to her? She goes running back to the town and she's not afraid to tell her story, but she tells it in a different way. Come and meet the man who told me everything I ever did. There's incredible power in the story of broken people. But if we keep having them be broken, they can't tell that story. But if we point them to Jesus Christ and we extend grace and mercy to them and we say, come and let me tell you who I was and who Jesus is and who I am now, there's power of transformation in their lives. That's who God is calling us to be. We are not to be the kinds of people who condemn and give shame. We give grace and point them to Jesus. What we preached a few weeks ago at Easter is that it's not about behavior modification. It's about life transformation. We're not just asking people to be better versions of who they are. We're asking them to be from dead to live, to to, to change who they are as they trust God for their eternity, to be made new, a new creation through Christ Jesus. Because you and I, our identity is death and sin because of the sin of Adam. We aren't sinners because we sinned. We sin because we're sinners. That is our story, but... Here's the great truth that's also found in Romans chapter 5. God knew that. And one of my favorite verses from Scripture is Romans chapter 5, verse 8, where it tells us this. It says, but God demonstrates his own love for us in this, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. God knew that our condition was sin and sinfulness. He knew that that's who we would be from birth And so he demonstrates his love for us by moving first, by initiating his love. Before you could attend enough and serve enough and give enough and be good enough and enough good deeds stacked up to heaven, before you could do any of those things, he says, no, no, I'm going to initiate. I'm going to move first. I'm going to demonstrate just how much I love you. And before you can do anything to earn it, I want you to know that my love is unconditional towards you and it changes your condition So while Adam's sin condemns us all, God knew what we would need. And so he sent Jesus in the form of man to be another man to play a different part in the story of God's redemption. And after the comma that we read in verse 12, it continues on. This is what we read in Romans 5, 19 and 20. It says, for just as through the disobedience of the one man, Adam, the many were made sinners. So also through the obedience of one man, Jesus, the many will be made righteous. The law was brought in so that the trespass might increase. Without the law, you and I would not know we were guilty. We wouldn't know that we were condemned. But where sin increased, grace increased all the more. That would have been a good spot for you to say amen right there. Where sin increased, grace increased all the more. You and I recognize if we believe the early words here of Romans chapter 5 that we were guilty because of the sin of Adam. We're guilty because we're human beings. We're guilty because we cannot keep the law. And God knew that and he moved first and he initiated love. And he said, I'm gonna demonstrate my love to you by sending Jesus Christ. And through the obedience of Jesus, you and I are made righteous. You don't have to carry the shame. Sin equals shame. But you don't have to carry that shame anymore because Jesus paid the price. And so here's what we do. We try to say, I want to go on this journey, this spiritual journey, this direction, this place that God is calling me to. And so that's where I'm headed. 
But I mean, I got some stuff I got to pack with me. I got to bring the, you know, the, the things. I got to bring the stuff that I wish I wouldn't have done. I, I got to bring all the shame and all the guilt and all the condemnation of other people. I got I to gotta pack it away. You know, just in case like my suitcase ever gets open, like I'm going to hide it down in there. I'm not going to, it's not going to be right up on top, you know. I'm going to kind of bury it underneath my socks and my shirts and stuff. Like it's going to be way down in the corner so that nobody can find it. I, I want to hide all of this stuff, but I got to carry it with me. I got to take shame and I got to take my guilt. Everybody keeps talking about it. They keep telling me who I was and what I did. And so I'm just going to carry all this and I want to go, I want to re- receive everything that God has for me. I want to be everything that God has for me, but I got to take all this stuff with me. I can't, I mean, what am I going to do with it? It's who I am. It's the shame I carry. It's my guilt. I am guilty. I am a sinner. But Romans chapter eight, verse one and two says this. Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Because through Christ Jesus, the law of the spirit who gives life has set you free from the law of sin and death. What we said earlier is that sin equals shame. And the law of the spirit through Christ Jesus has given you freedom, has given you victory from the shame that you may carry. And so you and I have packed this suitcase full of all the stuff from back there. And I believe that what God is saying to all of us today is let me unpack some stuff. Like Jesus already paid the price. Jesus already went to the cross and did everything that was necessary for you to leave that shame back there, for you to leave that guilt back there. And so we packed it away. We're trying to carry it. And I think what God would be saying to all of us today is would you just lay it down and let me take some stuff out of it before you keep moving. Before you walk out of this place today and you get in your car and you try to determine what you're gonna do for lunch and what this afternoon's gonna hold and where you're headed tomorrow and all the things that you're trying to walk into this coming day, in these coming days, this coming week, this coming month, like before you try to take this stuff with you right here today, would you just lay some stuff down? Let me unpack some stuff. Let me just pull some stuff out that you're still trying to carry that you are not meant to carry. It still hurts and it shouldn't. When I was five years old, when I was five years old, I, my, my parents and my brother and I, we were, we were living in a house, and, and I don't know why this is the reality. Maybe it's not the reality in your family. This is the reality in our family. All the way back, but I'm just going to tell on my kids for a second because I'm already, I'm already in the doghouse with them. They're going to be mad at me for sure. So let me just say, my kids have a bathroom that they share with a shower in it, but if they have a choice, they're going to come to my bathroom and take a shower. I don't, I don't understand it. I don't know why. I cannot figure out why they can't just use their own bathroom. But every time I turn around, my kids are in my bathroom. I'm like, go down the hall. What are you, this is my bathroom. This is my territory. No, they're, just, they're in my bathroom. But they come by it naturally because I did the same thing when I was a kid. And the reason that I know that is because my parents talk to me about it all the time. But I remember when I was five. In my parents' bathroom, and some of you aren't even gonna know what I'm talking about when I start telling you this. In my parents' bathroom, they had a stand-up shower. And that stand-up shower had a glass door. It was like a frosted glass door with a metal trim around it, right? And and they still make some of these. I think they're a little safer now than they used to be. But you would pull that, and it would kind of click off the bottom. Like, it would kind of hold at the bottom, but it would click a little bit. And when you'd pull that thing out, the little metal tray that was kind of holding it would allow you to kind of get in and out. But you could close it back, and it would still kind of clip on the bottom of the little metal tray there, right? 
And, and if you weren't careful, like you had to step over that little metal thing. I'm, I have no idea how this passed inspection, but you had to step over that metal while you're wet and slippery and all you like cut your, like you had to step over it, not to trip over it. Well, I did not trip over it that I can ever remember. But in the shower one day, I slipped in the shower trying to get out and I hit that little metal lip right here, right here. And I mean, it bled a lot. I know you're about to eat, so I'm sorry if that makes you nauseous. It, I mean, it was, it was nasty. I remember it as a little kid. It hurt so bad. I felt like my jaw hurt for a week. We couldn't hardly get it closed up. We finally got it closed up and bandaged up and we got it fixed and all of those kinds of things. But if I were to shave my beard, you could see a pretty good scar right here. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's still there. I can feel it right now. And I remember when it first happened, it was so sore. It hurt like really, really bad. But you know what? It doesn't hurt at all right now. Like that's been a long time ago. It does not hurt. I can push, I can pull it. I can do all kinds of stuff. It doesn't hurt at all. But there's a scar there. And I believe that for some of us today, that's the picture you need to have of shame. It's not supposed to hurt you anymore. It, 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 it happened way back there. I mean, it was, it was months ago. It was years ago. It's not who you are anymore. And yet, you still see it. And you still allow it to hurt you. But it doesn't hurt. It's just a scar. Now, here's the amazing thing. If you saw that scar, I would have a cool story to tell you. Now, you may not think it's cool. I think it's a pretty cool story. There's amazing stories to be told. But what do we do? We cover up our scars. We cover up the past. We hide it. We get afraid. And like Adam and Eve did, we run and hide. We blame. We project on others. When I believe the scars tell great stories, stories of God's goodness and his grace and his mercy, where we can run into towns and say, come and meet the man who told me everything I ever did. You don't think that woman who was kneeling down in the dirt had a story to tell? You're never gonna believe there was a bunch of people. I closed my eyes bracing for impact. And then I felt somebody kind of kneel down beside me. And one by one, I heard these rocks fall. And I couldn't hardly open my eyes. I was still so afraid. And when I barely opened my eyes, I kind of looked and there was, there was Jesus. And he asked me to look around and said, woman, where are your accusers? And there was nobody. And then he challenged me to be better and to do better and go and sin no more. There's a scar, but it doesn't hurt anymore. What is your story? What's your story of shame that doesn't hurt anymore because you've allowed God to unpack that stuff from your bags and leave them back there so that you could chase all that he has for you in tomorrow? Every time we try to pick them back up, we're walking to the foot of the cross and saying, Jesus, I mean, thank you for what you did, but 
it's just not enough for me and what I've done and the mistakes that I've made and the guilt that I carry. Let him unpack your bags. Leave your shame in the past. There is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the spirit has set you free from the law of sin and shame and death. You're free today. You're free. And you're like, yeah, 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 but you don't understand. Like there was this thing like way back there, like way back there. And Jesus is like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I covered that one too. Like, I mean, yeah, but I mean, okay, thank you. That was good. But, but like there was that other time with that other thing, Jesus is like, I got that one too. You're like, yeah, but you don't like, okay, all right, but I see where this is going. But like, no, but what about like last week? I got that one too. There is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the spirit of Christ gives you freedom, gives you victory, gives you life over the law of sin and shame and death. Quit trying to carry around stuff that you were not meant to carry. Ask Jesus to forgive you. Let him unpack those things and leave them at the foot of the cross and you chase all that God has for you. When I was a kid, they used to sing that song. Leave it there. Leave it there. Take your burdens to the Lord and leave it there. Why do we keep picking it back up? Why is the cross not enough for us? Leave it there. I'm gonna ask you to bow your head and close your eyes just for a moment. Nobody's looking around. Just a moment of personal reflection between you and God. You know what? Open your eyes. Look at me. There's another great truth in the story. I feel like the Holy Spirit, just somebody in the room needs to hear this. When God came to Adam and Eve, when he came to Adam and Eve in the garden, they had sinned. They were about to hide. They were afraid. And they were about to blame one another. God starts calling them out. Adam, Eve, where are you at? So now they go into hiding because Adam says, I'm afraid. So we hid. And I'm, I'm definitely adding to the story here for just a second. He's like, Adam, Eve, where are you guys at? He's God. He knew. Okay. Where are you at? What are you doing? Where are you, where'd you go? It's time for our walk. And so Adam calls out. If you Read it for yourself. Genesis 3. Adam calls out. He says, I was afraid, so I hid. He's like, I mean, did you eat the fruit? Did you eat from the tree that I told you not to eat from? He was like, well, the the woman. And Eve was like, well, the snake. But do you know what never changed? Their location. God called them by name as they hid in their shame. And then God continued to talk to them as they hid in their shame. As I was reading that this morning, it was not in my notes. As I was reading that this morning, I just want to remind you that no matter how hard you try to hide it from other people, you can't hide stuff from God. 
So today, it could be the very thing that you need is just to acknowledge like, God, you see it anyway. You know who I am anyway. And as I keep trying to keep it all together and hide all this stuff and and, and keep it from everybody else, God, I, I thought I was hiding it from you, but I can't hide it from you. So God, thank you for coming to where I'm at. He came to their place of hiding. He came to their place of shame. God is here right now for you. He's here right now for you. I don't know who I'm talking to. Today's your day. Today's your day of freedom. I believe God can set you free today. You can leave your shame at the foot of the cross today. And here's what I want you to do. Everybody in the room, stand up. If you're watching online and you can, stand up right where you're at, just as a, 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 just an expression of obedience to God. And now I want you just to close your eyes. And if you are comfortable doing so, I just want you to lift your hands up just as a sign of surrender to God. God, I thank you right now for every person in this room and every person that's watching online. This is not how we concluded the sermon in the first service, but God, we thank you that in this moment that your word is active and alive. We thank you, God, that your Holy Spirit is with us, your presence is with us. And so God, right now, I pray for the people in this room, the people watching online, you know who's here. You know what they need. You know what they're carrying. And it's different from the people that were here before. It's the same sermon, but God, the the application of this message is different for every single one of us because we believe your Holy Spirit speaks to us. And so God, I pray right now for every person under the sound of my voice, live, in person, online, those watching back, listening back at some point in the future on a podcast or a YouTube video. God, would you cut into our hearts and cut into our lives and dig into our souls and help us to recognize the power of who you are. And God, thank you that we don't have to move first. Thank you that you moved first, that you initiated love, that you demonstrated love to us. And if you would say right now, Jeremy, for me, I need to ask God to forgive my sins. You've already got your hands lifted, but if that's you, I just want you to acknowledge it in your heart, in your mind. You can say it out loud. That's me. Whatever you want to do, that's fine. But this is a personal response between you and God. And so I want you to acknowledge your need for God to be the Lord and Savior of your life right now in the room and online. If you would say, hey, I just, I need God to unload the shame that I've been carrying. I want to, I want to leave it at the cross. Maybe you just respond. Your hands are already lifted. You're already acknowledging that you're in this moment, you and God. But you would just say, God, that's me. I know that's me. I need to lay some shame before you at the cross right now. And I need not to pick it up so I can walk into the future and the destiny that you have for me. You're acknowledging that. It's not as much that I see it as God sees your response right now. God, I thank you for every person right now that's responding in some way. God, we pray for those who are needing forgiveness. We pray for those, God, right now that are asking you to be the Lord of their life, forgive their sins. God, we thank you that you save people. I can't do that. You can. So God, I thank you for this moment. You're changing eternities. You're changing marriages. You're changing families as people give their lives to you. So God, we celebrate with heaven now for that decision. And God, I pray right now for every person that's been carrying some shame they were not intended to carry. That God, they would trust you now to lay it at the foot of the cross, to lay it down. Maybe they would take their hands from being uplifted and and act like they're laying something down on the ground just to get rid of the shame and the guilt that they've been carrying as they trust you for freedom and victory. The law of the Spirit is greater than the law of sin and death. And so God, we just embrace that right now and we release those things that are heavy on us and we receive your rest and response. And God, I pray right now for freedom and victory and joy that would just flow out of hearts 
that are responding to you now. God, we thank you that we don't have to carry this. We were not meant to carry shame. We are made new through Jesus Christ. And the cross is enough. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said. Thanks again for listening. If today's message was an encouragement to you, we invite you to share it with your friends and family. Maybe subscribe, rate, and review the podcast. It just helps us spread the word about what God's doing here at Generations Church. For more information about the church, visit us at g.church. Have a great day, and God bless.